Hello and welcome to Objection to the Rule. We are we are Radio Free Brooklyn's weekend news hour. I'm Max Carter here with Emily Scott, my oh. co-host. Hello. On Hi. another scorching hot day in Brooklyn, right? It's horrendous outside. How are we? I want to die. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not, not literally, but pretty close. Yeah. Um, and we might have Rachel calling in. I'm not sure. Rachel, are you on the line already? Mm. Not yet. Mm-mm. Well, we'll look out for that then. Um, well, here we are again, another week, uh, on the air. Um, we got a great show, uh, coming up and, uh, despite the heat news keeps rolling in. So we're going to dive right in. Emily, you have local news. I do. I do have local news. All right. So, um, in response to new rent regulation laws that were recently passed in Albany, uh, landlords in New York are filing suit claiming that the entire rent regulation system is an unconstitutional seizure of property for public use without just compensation. Um, all right. Does that even, does that even make I mean, sense? come on. I, I mean, it really, I was reading the article and I was like, this just feels like, like people just lashing out in a last ditch attempt to like save their own like massive wealth. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's totally a wealth protection thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in an in a capitalist economy, right. so it's not surprising that people try to protect their capital right. gains. Right. And, you know, there aren't like it that in and of itself isn't like, I don't know. It causes so many bad things sometimes when that happens. Like in and of itself, the idea of you trying to protect your financial security, not a bad thing, right? But like, you know, their argument that these regulations that are trying to help a large swath of the population Huge. live in housing yeah. period um, is somehow, you know, taking away from their constitutional rights, which right. is <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, I, I totally, I think that they're doing the intelligent thing right. to base it in like a burden on their constitutional rights. Right. But I feel like it's such a skewed argument it's from feel so evil. Right. Yeah. It's like, what kind of lack of understanding do you have right. of the precarity of New Yorkers who need these, yeah. you know, these subsidized housing? Yeah. Because yeah. um, and like, you know, their whole argument is that being forced to you know, like forced to rent out rooms that, you know, below market rate is somehow taking their property. But I mean, <laughs> the argument was one guy was like yeah. saying how he had to rent uh, some of the apartments for a thousand dollars a month right. and how that was like 60 percent of mm-hmm. what most of their yeah. or the other 40 or 40, only 40 percent, only 40 percent. Yeah. I mean, it's like, right. you know, that is still. It's a still very money. high rent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah. And like their whole, you know, and this has been, this isn't the first time that like a lawsuit like this has been filed. It's just right. lost. Um, it's they've, all these lawsuits have not like, you know, been pa- like, uh, judges have all found them unworthy of moving forward in New York at least. Um, because like, yeah, because the argument that they're somehow, you know, like they don't, they're not legally obligated to, you know, they don't have, if any tenants are, you know, really poor tenants, they're allowed to be evicted, you know, under certain, you know, right regulations, like the landlords are allowed to demolish the building in some way. It's it's this whole thing where it's like, you know, they're not forced to do the same thing forever and ever and just have right. these rooms, that, you know what I mean? And it's like also the argument that you're somehow, you know, not making enough money. And also, I mean, it was kind of funny as someone on the um, defense side of this, you know, defending tenant uh, rent rights. Um, said that, you know, if you do have enough money to file such a frivolous lawsuit, you're clearly doing fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it is an exorbitantly like wealthy like landlords make a ton of money in this city, so right? Or they have historically. And it's, you know, it's a really powerful lobby. And it, I think they're all sort of still in shock that the fact that, you know, the, um, even despite the powerful uh, landlord lobbyists, that something like this passed. Well, I think, I mean, maybe, you know, it's pointing to, it seems, a shift in uh, governance as mm-hmm. far as who is Who's listening in to representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who who are the lawmakers these days in the New York state legislature? Yeah. And I mean, we know that in this past election cycle, uh, Democrats who are further to the left than maybe mm-hmm. the, the bulk of the, yeah. you know, historic New York legislature have uh, gained a lot of a huge foothold. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is a clear indication of where they're trying to take, um, you know, the state government. Yeah. And I applaud that. I mean, I think that it's important to have um, legislators who are, you know, have the people's best interest. And not just lobbyists like in their ears. (laughs) Right. right, And it's like so refreshing. (laughs) And so it feels so strange. Yeah. 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 You know, and Cuomo, yeah, Cuomo passed it, all that stuff. It's, yeah, yeah. it's happening. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on to the next bit of news, uh, a darker turn. Um, so uh, earlier this week, federal prosecutors announced that they would not be bringing civil rights charges for the 2014 death of Eric Garner, who died while being held in a chokehold by New York Police Department um, officers on Staten Island. Um, so many... See, this is another just another example on a very long list of police officers being responsible for the death of an unarmed person of color and not facing real consequences for it, real legal consequences. Um, in this particular case, uh, prosecutors found that the officer responsible um, had used the notoriously banned chokehold for only seven seconds. And, you know, that with that, they couldn't prove that he acted willfully, um, which was, you know, the bar set for you know, requ- like for prosecutors to reach right. to, you know, actually pursue um, charges. Um, but man, does this feel not like justice at all? I mean, the first feeling is like, God, I mean, these laws are yeah. clearly made for, you know, yeah. with loopholes, yeah. basically. And there's, I mean, it's just, I, I read the, you know, I was reading up on everything refreshing in my memory. And of course, like, you know, everyone's been talking about it all week and just rewatching the video, like, you know, he's a, you know, Eric Garner was a big guy, but there were like how many officers were literally on top of him. Yeah. He's saying, I can't breathe over and over. And somehow, you know, they're not listening to him. They're not paying attention. Um, they're completely ignoring what he's saying. And yet they're not responsible. You know, if, if yeah. he was like a, you know, a white woman, if he was small, if he, whatever, you know, like it, it's, it's kind of crazy that they're just, they're literally, he's asking, he's trying to calmly like to let them know that he's in distress and they completely ignored him because of their own, you know, biases. He was, he wasn't, you know, he was on the street corner trying to sell a cigarette, like Lucy's, whatever. Uh, I mean, allegedly, allegedly they didn't even right? prove that he was doing anything. Yeah. So it's like that Non-violent. is the, right. Like what right. is the reason to, right tackle this dude to right. the ground in the first place whether or Nothing. not he's using a chokehold right. is almost besides the point it's yeah. like how is that right. the acceptable response yeah and like, it's not it's not it's right. all it's all optics and it, it i mean it feels like it's all optics it's it feels like it's their own implicit bias you know here's a big black guy um if we don't you know pull him down he's gonna pull us down right 
But of course, like he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And it's like beyond him doing yeah. anything, it's like. Yeah. I mean, I know it's it's hard. It's just crazy that we're talking about this five years. Yeah. After. And that's the next question. Like, why did right. this take five years? And everyone's, yeah. you know, if they were just going to and if, and like they really they really ran out the clock on it. Like, apparently the statute of limitations on such a something like this was running out like literally the day after yeah. they yeah. announced that they yeah. weren't pursuing charges. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's yeah. Why did this take five years to just decide? No, we're not going to. It well, just, it it's seems... it's surprising as well, because uh, yeah. is is the AG Letitia James oh. in. We might be having our third co-host going. Hello. Right now. Hi there. Hi. Hey, Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. How's it going? It's going Hello. all right. Welcome. Have you been listening at all? Do you know what we're up to? Um, yeah. Where, where are we? So we're talking about the um, decision by federal prosecutors to not pursue charges against the police officer who um, was responsible for Eric Garner's death. Oh, yes. yes. That's where we are. That's where we are. Uh, yes. <laughs> so we still are five years after macro, the incident. Sorry macro, for the reminder. Macro. Yeah. Yeah. Any macro, thoughts on macro. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, it, what, you know, it's one of those, I, I feel like we're, there's a little bit of history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a little, I, I'm seeing shades of, um, Amadou Diallo with this. Yeah. Um, years ago, there was, um, and it, the including the the outpouring, the outcry that followed it. Um, I'm seeing it. Two two things, well, three things, kind of stand out to me. One um, is that we're nearing a um, statute of limitations at the five year mm-hmm. mark. Yeah. For um, filing for for federal filings, that is specific mm-hmm. types of federal um, charges. Um, he's, that's one thing that stands out. The other thing that stands out is that there are still, um, departmental charges that can, uh, right. that, um, the officer can face. I, and I think this really, this case, as with a lot of, um, uh, cases like it really kind of screams what's going on with your protocol and procedures. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, this is, wh- wh- why is it that this is sort of okay to, just take somebody down. This, these chokeholds are illegal. Why is it when someone says, I can't breathe, we don't kind of ease up? What, what, I don't understand why this is right. considered the acceptable. Because this is, there. I hate to say this, but there are procedures and protocols that officers follow in certain situations. And it's part of why that he's being found not guilty mm-hmm. here is that he's not violating certain, some of these steps. There are certain steps that are supposed to be followed by officers in given situations. And what, why are, why haven't we kind of looked at these protocols here? And the third thing that stands out to me, and I, I we can't, I think we need to talk about this more. Is the, there has been one arrest made and one person charged and one person serving time in this whole situation. That's the person who, who videotaped everything. Wow. Yep. Um, oh. yep. Yeah. <gasps> And that's I'm still chewing on that a little bit. Oh my! <laughs> you know? I didn't even realize yeah. that. Holy and, um, shit! <laughs> yeah, one, right, I don't know if they're still. I don't think they're still serving any time. But one person was actually was sentenced, was actually charged and convicted of something. I, I I'm part of my ignorance. I off the top right. of my head, I don't remember exactly what the charge was. But yeah, he, he videotaped it. Is, got into more trouble than anybody else. Oh <laughs> right, Ramsey Orta, who uh, who. Um, Filmed the incident, took a plea deal on unrelated charges, oh. um, yeah. but says police harassed him after right. filming oh officers killing his friend. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
And that, I mean, it's that sort of thing too that, you know, makes you, you know, I know that, you know, nothing, if we're not up, this guy, you know, this guy's not totally free yet. We don't know if he's the officer responsible is going to face, you know, consequences departmentally. But when you hear stuff like that, I don't, <laughs> I'm skeptical that right. the, the department, which, you know, has these procedures that he was ostensibly following will, you know, use him as a, you know, or like will act on, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the question of why did this take five years, uh, there may be a, re- he may, ha- um, defendants may have a really good legal team mm-hmm. um, that are tr- intentionally trying to drag this out to the point where they, they push the statute of limitations. It may, mm-hmm. may have a really good legal team that is trying to work that angle. Yeah. Um, it may be that they, maybe um, people uh, prosecuting the case wanted to really take their time and get this right. And that's, you know, things do take time, but it, um, I'm concerned about the chilling effect that, um, the, uh, the arrest of Ramsey might have ha- mm-hmm. had overall. Are people going to be afraid to come forward or take with video? Right. Are people going to be afraid to take video? Uh, and things like that. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, the combination of the conviction of Ramsey Orta, whether or not it was on unrelated charges, right. at such a, you know, at, at this point in the timeline, and then the subsequent lack of prosecution mm-hmm. for the officer i think combined to make exactly what you said it's just a, a massive chilling effect on yeah. how people will follow up uh on these kinds of cases i mean you see daniel Penaleo, who's that officer that put mm-hmm. the chokehold on eric garner is sitting on desk duty he didn't hasn't been stripped of his yeah. position i mean he, he's his, not on the street but i think his payroll went up he yeah exactly right yeah he's made more money since then yeah and, uh, you know, the fact that it's basically on a technicality that he right. he was able to argue that it wasn't a willful right. chokehold. The focus on the chokehold itself is what's so interesting, too. Right. It's like it it almost feels like you watch this video and it's all these men taking down this one guy and just ignoring him, his calls for distress and on an alleged. Right. Charge. Yeah. And it's like it just feels so unreal un- besides the point. The chokehold itself, right. I know, is a flashpoint, but it's like any sort of force that's unnecessary and unnecessarily hurtful, whether or not it's sanctioned by the you know what I mean? Like, just yeah. why? Like, it just it, it's, it's baffling still that that's like and of course, I'm sure that's like the defense's whole argument that like the chokehold is the reason why right. blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know what I have also not heard is mm-hmm. any remorse from mm-hmm. the officers either. You know, I think that this case would, you know, I think all of these cases might go differently yeah. in the public eye if an officer were to come forward and express remorse or some kind of right. bad feeling. But I, I don't think I ever hear that. And I know. I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily, yeah. uh, you know. And that, and there's probably, I mean, there's so many reasons why that might be the case and it's, it's, yeah, I'm sure it would be helpful and for the healing process even, but, you know, it's, I mean, maybe it's a cultural thing, just like that sort of, I mean, to be an officer, you have to see a lot of things that are really damaging, I guess, to your like ability to process those things, I think regularly, probably for a lot of officers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, that's probably why we don't hear more of that. Like they're, they have to, you know. And it's like a culture and it's the culture around them too. trying like all showing them support. Like you're fine. You did the right thing. And them having right. to believe that too. I think in yeah. order to move forward, kind of it, it builds in and on itself, I think potentially. An unfortunate reality. Sucks. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, and lastly on the local docket, a little bit different today. Um, 
a bit of news that's uh, kind of like a little call to action, maybe. Um, so uh, the East Harlem nonprofit Picture the Homeless can use your help. Um, so it's a homeless-led nonprofit, and it's struggling to pay the rent on its storefront, which it uses to organize advocacy efforts as well as a space for people to get advice, use the computer, the bathroom, or just get out of the weather, um, which are all things that, like, which is amazing. Like, I, I actually had never heard of the nonprofit before. And it's um like what an amazing organization. I for think real. yeah, they cited about sixty people use the storefront for those various reasons every day. Um, it's just an amazing resource. And it's also it's the fact that it's run by homeless people too is just something that you don't um, oh, yeah, hear about a lot. Yeah. yeah I did not it's know led that. by the nonprofit uh, homeless themselves. Um so they're planning a let's p- uh, pay the rent party on July twenty seventh. Uh ten dollar admission and ten dollar dinners go to- goes towards the rent. And there's also a GoFundMe campaign. Um Campaign for Picture the Homeless. If you look that up, you should be able to find it. Um, but yeah, just sounded like an amazing thing that uh, I wanted to put on people's radar. Yeah, yeah. be on the yeah, lookout um, for that. Yeah. I, um, I'm i an East Harlem resident, oh. and this is a great... Um, I just, I'll just i say that there are actually a lot of um, social services organizations based here. Um, it's a working-class community. Um, it is a community in need. I don't want to paint a negative picture mm-hmm. of the neighborhood, um, but I think um, a lot of people don't realize a lot of good gets done here um mm-hmm. and there's a lot of need here and i think they i read um they need 60 what did they need they need 6600 dollars. yeah i think i think um, that might be their kinda, monthly rent which is, yeah yeah is the monthly rent which is a lot for up here yeah. Yeah. for for up here but like you know you you can compared to other parts of manhattan that's very low that's why a lot of things are based up here and mm-hmm. i mean that's doable yeah it's, it's tough for for the people running this to make right. that if they're small nonprofit, but that's doable. So if we spread the word, like we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, and um, they're also near, it, it is a community where, um, well, like a lot of New York and a lot of the country um, there's, you know, a lot of people are struggling with addiction. A lot of people mm-hmm. who are homeless are struggling mm-hmm. with addiction and they're near other local services that provide um, or local organizations that provide services for that. So they're working with a lot of other nonprofits and service organizations. So like, yeah, East, East, yeah, East Harlem is a good place and they need help. And I'm really glad that that place is there because yeah. they're, they're giving, they're like helping the organists, the, the, they're helping the homeless organize themselves yeah. and stay active and, yeah. you know, kind Advocate of, I, I like that they're kind yeah. of right. fighting the trope of the homeless people, like kind of being um, a homeless person, just basically sitting on the street and not like being an active member of their community. Mm-hmm. Right. We're kind of fighting that trope. And it's right. awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. I think that is one of the most important parts of the org is that it is member led, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Cool. Rare. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So that's well, it for local today. Yeah. Thanks for that, Emily. Uh, a lot of interesting stories from New York and uh, I'll definitely be planning to attend what sounds like it'll be a great party for a great cause. Let's take a short break before we jump into national news. Right. Stay with us. On the typewriter, he moves his words like a prize fighter. The frenzied pace of the mind inside the cell. The man on the street might just as well be. The man on the street might just as well. The man on the street might just as well be. 
Objection to the Rule. I'm Max Carter, here with co-hosts Rachel and Emily. Hello. We just heard uh, Shadow Stabbing by Cake. Yeah. If you're joining us just now, we started the hour with local news and a call for action. Check out Picture the Homeless online for information on their benefit party to combat homelessness. Now, let's turn to the national stage. Emily, I believe you took this on this week as well? I did, all yes. Right. Did lots of research this week. <laughs> um, all right. So, we did, I don't know. I can't remember if we touched on this last week, but the whole um, ICE raids um, situation that's currently happening. Um, so, uh, you know, Trump announced, uh, you know, last week a giant sweep trying to target about 2,000 people living in the U.S. illegally. Um, and... You know, they've there's been kind of like random spottings of ICE agents around the city since then, since mm-hmm. last weekend. Um, so, you know, and it's it's unclear if it's related to the federal with all that stuff um, from immigration and customs enforcement agents. But um, just a little PSA for anyone um, who's unsure of their rights in that scenario. Um, so excuse me while I just read off this list. But um, a person approached by a federal federal agent has the right to remain silent, even if they are asked for their immigration status or where they were born. Uh, They do not have to sign any papers and have the right to speak with an attorney. They do not have to open the door to their home for ICE or any other federal agent unless a court-ordered warrant is presented. And that court-ordered warrant has to be signed by Mm. a judge as well. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that it's signed before you, you know. 
You can ask them to slide it under your door if they yeah. have it. Yeah. And unless there is a court-ordered warrant, they do not have to present documents proving their immigration status. Um, and another note I read to you is that, you know, if you do choose to talk, make sure you tell the truth. Because um, yes. lying can get you in big trouble, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's just, it's um it's a scary time for a lot of people living in this country. Um, so just, yeah, and don't let anyone, and it's it's hard, but try not to let anyone convince you that you don't have these rights. Because um, you do. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, I can't. Raids, right. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no yeah. go ahead, Rachel. Uh, the raids um, were supposedly announced. It was an, or he, he tweeted um, they were going to happen on right. sa- on Sunday. But um, a lot of things started happening on Saturday. Right. And I want to thank every New Yorker who um, followed the adage that right. was instilled in us um, since, um, since the 9-11 attacks. If mm-hmm. you see something, say something. Yeah. Because um, people were took to social media and were posting things like, um, I spotted at, you know, 72nd and Broadway subway yep. station. I spotted at this, you know, major intersection. I spotted here. I spotted right. there. And we're, you know, kind of showing up and telling people, no, you don't have to do that. Yep. You, don't, you don't have to talk to them. You don't have to talk to them. And you know, I thought it was um, a great example of community mm-hmm. outpouring of support, like, right. you know, people looking out for their neighbors. Yeah. And um, also interesting, you know, just bear in mind, hey, we're going to come, we're, we're, we're showing up on Sunday could mean we're going to show up on Saturday right. or Monday or, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of fear people yeah. are living with where it's like Constant. every right. single day. Yeah. I mean, the fact there was the even day. an announcement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I heard that the Trump administration actually decided to postpone mm-hmm. what they were saying would be these massive raids mm-hmm. because of how much uh, public outpouring there was. Right. They And they and they basically said, we're not going to tell you next time because. Great. Perhaps, you know, right. So <laughs> awesome. it's like it's like great that people are out here yeah. when when we know about it coming up. But the reality is that these kinds of raids are happening every single day. People mm-hmm. are being picked up every single day. We should be alert and aware of the fact that this is happening and people are living under this kind of threat. I mean, and kudos to the city of New York, who firmly takes the stand that, um, you know, people living in our city are contributing, you know, whether or not their federal legal status, like they're contributing and are positive, have a positive impact on the city. Absolutely. Yeah. Something I also agree with. Um, Yeah. And another strange example of the time we live in with cities and states and federal government just not agreeing on so many (laughs) Like really fighting each other hard. Yeah. And and I'll say that there's like a, a whole numbness effect yeah. that happens in issues like this where people feel overwhelmed by the scale mm-hmm. and unable to contribute in any way to making change. But especially in New York, there are so many amazing organizations mm-hmm. on this that are working on this issue and so many others that you can get plugged into really easily. I know, for example, uh, New Sanctuary City Mm -hmm. got a lot of uh, publicity and fame uh, a few years ago when they were helping uh, a prominent immigrant activist, Ravi Ragbir, with his case, Mm -hmm. um, protecting him from an ICE deportation and eventually winning uh, more time for him. They have meetings every single Wednesday night uh, Mm -hmm. um, on West 4th Street or off of the West 4th Street uh, station. Um, definitely look them up. New Sanctuary City in New York. They are always in need of more people to help the increasing number of, uh, you know, asylum seekers and immigrants trying to solve their status issues. Yeah. Right. Thank you for sharing the information. And I thank you for using the phrase 
asylum seekers mm-hmm. because this is yeah. what I think yeah. needs to be reinforced because so many of the people who are showing up at our borders right now, they're here seeking asylum. Yeah. You are, yeah. let's, let's one more time for the people in the back. Mm-hmm. You are not here illegally if mm-hmm. you're right. here seeking asylum. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> important yeah. to point out that, uh, immigration officials at the border are denying entry yeah. to asylum seekers. You have to enter Which, the yeah. U.S. to apply for yeah, asylum. Yeah. The whole thing's bananas. Right. right. And yeah. so we're, it's we're this kind of, backwards. We're kind of nipping, right. Yeah. We're preventing people from seeking the asylum that they're entitled to. Seek exactly. And then punishing them for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're, and also this is also a, a kind of a Trump administration tactic, if you will, um, to brand people who are here ha, um, have gotten inside of our inside the country here to seeking asylum to refer to them as illegal immigrants and that's just a kind of a a rebranding yeah in in an inappropriate yeah and you know yeah and a reminder like like the language used is important um you know no no person is illegal right you can't as a, a person to exist and and that's nothing new, too. I was reading about, you know, the phrase illegal alien, and that's from, like, you know, the right. early 20th century, mm-hmm. and that was specifically yeah. used in the same the same purpose, essentially, to, mm-hmm. to cre- create the sense of an other trying to infiltrate, like, mm-hmm. this is our space. Um, yeah, right. it's nothing new, and all of that, like, pay attention to the language you hear and the language you use um, and what, what it means and who's using it and why. Right. Um, yeah, because a lot of it's, yeah. Creating fear, creating right. anxiety about something that. Yeah. Why yeah. I use the the term branding because mm-hmm. Donald Trump is that's kind of what he does. Yeah, hundred percent done with his own totally. last name. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> his own image. He knows exactly what, what he's, he's doing. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if nothing else, we're dealing with a professional. Oh, dear sense. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> the one he, he's good at one thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, moving on to, um, a nice story, I guess. I don't know. Um, sort of, yeah, it's kind of a good story. Um, so this past Friday, uh, 3,100 federal inmates were granted early release as the implementation of the first step act came into effect. Um, so this is a piece of bipartisan, which is something you don't hear shocking criminal justice reform legislation that was passed this past December. Um, yeah, like everyone, basically everyone uh, was in support of this bill, which, um, you know, the whole like the movement for criminal justice reform, um, which, you know, both the left and the right and the president are getting, you know, putting their support behind. Um, and it's kind of crazy that that anything could do that. <laughs> it yeah. feels crazy that anything could bring anything this important. Right. This is something that. Um, right. you know, 10 years ago would have still been a flashpoint for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, and it was actually really interesting. Like apparently when I was reading about, you know, the background about this and the bill passing, it seemed like the only person that really didn't agree with it was Jeff Sessions, who at the time was the attorney general. <laughs> he was right. the only one who really seen like he, and as soon as the president, you know, came out in support of it, he like, you know, pretended he was cool with it, but behind the scenes was trying to like halt it. Cause he's still from that that back like old school mentality, eighties, nineties thinking that like, you know, harsher sentences does anything right. good <laughs> for a lot of things. I yeah. apologize for my giggle. No, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. It's really funny. It's like uh everyone but him seemed to be on board I, with I'm this. I'm sure others right. inwardly kind of weren't right. happy about it, but I Jeff Sessions couldn't because he's right like a fifty through back there. Yeah. I mean yeah. Like, yeah. older even, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. suggested that we deal with the opioid crisis by telling people to take 
and I quote, a buffering. Right. Um, because we even sell aspirin under the name buffering anymore. Um, <laughs> we, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this this was in, I, a rare display of bipartisanship. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, what 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 do how did how did we all come together on this? One? Right. Right. I I and it's still I mean, I um I don't know. I mean, I know that Kim Kardashian honestly talked to the president and I don't yeah. know. And that might have honestly had influence. Like, I know she's a big um, uh, like, honestly, she, she's a big on criminal justice reform. And um, she I'm blanking on names, but came out huge support for um, this one woman who went to jail, I think, right. for um, some like losing her child or having an abortion or something like that. And um, she yeah, she and she had to sit down with him. And, you know, now he's. <laughs> a supporter of criminal justice reform. And that might not be the only thing that influenced him. Um, it might, you know, I'm sure I, I'm not sure, but if, you know, I, there's probably some, there's always politics, right. When you're talking about people I, at this level, I, I have a thought on this. I think we've gotten to the point now where maybe, mm-hmm. um, more people, um, and my, more, more of the people who are actually, you know, sitting in, in federal government, mm-hmm. um, are personally affected by some of this. Right. Um, you know, things like, for example, drug laws, yeah. um, for example, um, it's, it's hitting home for more people with, for example, you know, the opiate crisis, that's something that's, it's, um, you know, it, the, the crack epidemic hit on certain socioeconomic yep. and, and ethnic right. lines yep. in ways that the opiate epidemic just, just has not. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and I think that, um, that, and certain other things, federal things that might land someone in jail for a harsh sentence. I, th- I think things are hitting um, certain representatives and, uh, you know, at the federal governmental level on a personal level, you know, they, right. they, someone, if not in their own personal lives, someone in their staff is affected. Someone, you know, within six degrees of separation of, you know, that elected official may, may have been affected personally by harsh um, prison sentences. I think yeah. Yeah. fewer, I think more and more people, um, in in this country are affected personally by our criminal justice system now than they were 20 years yeah. ago. I think that's part of it. It's yeah. like, it sometimes it, you have to be hit by it personally to care. <laughs> it sounds yeah. harsh. Right. But sometimes you have to know somebody who was hurt personally and, and, and to really care about it. And I also, I think, um, I saw Cory Booker this morning on Meet the Press. Granted, mm-hmm. Cory Booker um, was is more of a progressive forward thinker, um, very well informed on criminal justice issues, um, was, you know, the, the mayor of Newark. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about um, some of the criminal issues he sort of inherited as mayor of um, Newark. And he talked about how um, he hit on specifically the issue of um, women who had been incarcerated. And mm-hmm. he said, we looked at things like we when we looked at who was in the prison system when he was married, he said, we realized most of the women in this one particular facility have been victims of sexual violence mm-hmm. as children. Mm-hmm. And they said, wait a second, these criminals are actually victims of crime. So mm-hmm. I think, we're, you know, we know more now and we acknowledge more now, like, wait a second, these these. The, the, the people who were incarcerating were actually victims of crime. Like I think we're, right. we, we have a late, larger understanding of the whole picture, and maybe that's reaching more people. Yeah, I also, think we, we have we have a lot a big picture situation where we're going. Wait a second, wait a second. We can't just keep putting people away. Right. It, we, we we have to we have to. You know, right. This is wrong. Yeah. Well, I think we are seeing uh, like uh, uh, an 
a collision of those two threads that you're bringing up Mm -hmm. between, uh, you know, us seeing the real effects of the war on drugs, uh, the 80s crack laws, all of the, you know, the 94 crime bill, all these things are, you know, sort of become, it's becoming clear what the consequences are of them. And, simultaneously you're seeing the rise of the opioid crisis which brings those consequences home for a larger swath of i mean you know honestly wealthier white folks Mm -hmm. who are the people who are in the legislature and so you're seeing a simultaneous uh shift in public opinion uh as the consequences of these former formerly legislated bills Mm -hmm. make themselves known and the shifting of public of of uh you know uh government opinion yeah. as to how to deal with yeah. drug crises. I mean what is interesting though is that um we haven't seen a lot of progress on the actual drug crisis issue. Yeah. While while I think we're I think you're everyone's right in saying that that's related to what's happening here. Um this is like the major thing that's happened bipartisanly yeah. so far, unless I'm forgetting something, but, um, but there's still a lot of, yeah. The, I mean, like I know that there's um, prosecution happening now against the Sackler family and all that, but it, um, it actual real help, you know, on a federal level right. for the drug crisis seems right. to still be coming forthcoming. I'm not sure. I mean, you, you know, I think that you're, you're seeing the struggle happen a lot on the right. state level, yeah. Uh, yeah. especially as like decriminalization and legalization of weed become big. Yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting. Like, yeah. Which states are and are not right. retroactively commuting sentences mm-hmm. that are now not criminal offenses, yeah. you know? Right. So I think at least on the state level, you're seeing some legislation come around to you know fix this problem yeah uh but yeah on the national level this is the only thing that yeah. i'm seeing that's and it's you know thir- i mean you know 1300 people isn't oh uh, 3100 3100 people isn't nothing. isn't nothing but, but it's I, I also will, yeah a note on that though is that about a third of them are being is something about being released to state we're being released from federal prison oh. to state prison and within that one third is also um people being released to immigration court so about right. yeah. So there, it's it's not. I should have said that earlier. It's not a blanket right release. Um, right. but two thirds of it. Seems well, to yeah. Be, I mean, yeah. an important distinction because yeah. I think it really shows that you know yeah. it's it's not a sweeping yeah. uh change. Black white. Yes, yeah, no, you're yeah. not changing the the legislation on how people got into right. prison. It's right. you know, it's a good it's good news, but it yeah in the end doesn't actually change the playing yeah. field or, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and my uh, going back a little bit about how, you know, everyone seems to be affected by this issue, which is why there's mobility on it. But why, why is it, why are there no other issues? Cause there's other issues that affect everybody. And, you know, I mean, I know climate change is one of those things that's a flashpoint and, but it's like, why, like that effect, weather affects everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, sensibly. Yeah. Um, I think I think we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere a small somewhere with climate <laughs> right. change. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason we're getting a small somewhere is because it's an issue. People, uh, I mean, the, the way 
we've we've tried to make it a non-issue by basically falsifying the science yeah. and rebranding, if you will, um, and say you know we're trying to talk around things like we we. We at one point called it the greenhouse effect. Mm-hmm. We called it global warming. We changed the. T- we stopped calling it global warming to call it climate change because that was a more accurate way right. of describing of what was happening, and also because global warming have been kind of um, misused by people like. Right. With, with, How could oh, I have a so, snowball? It's snowing so, so much. Yeah. It's, it's like you know we keep we keep changing the wording around because the wording gets co-opted by folks who right. have an interest in you know. In, denying the, in keeping things, keeping denying gas. it's happening. Yeah. Um, I, but you know what? There's a growing um, our population of young people in this country. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, it, the the youngest generation of this is basically how things work. Mm-hmm. You know, people age in any in any place, and a younger generation is born and grows up who know the science and accept that this is a real issue, and they grow older and grow into voting age. And for them, it's 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 an important thing, and it's an important thing not just for young people in this country, but around the world. Mm-hmm. And those people are more and more connected through, like, social media, for example. We're more connected. I think it's it's it, you're you're not going to be able to ignore this or talk your way around this issue for long, because you're not going to be able to ignore your it's you're not going to be able to ignore your voters for long. Mm-hmm. Um, younger representatives in government and in Congress right now are making it an issue. Um, voter, younger voters are going to make this an issue. You can't ignore younger voters forever. Right. Um, you know, we, we learned this back when, when Bill Clinton ran for office in 1992. Um, he tapped into that 18 to 25 year old. We were, you know, the, the Gen X's. Mm-hmm. He said, listen, you know, this is, this is important. This is, these people are here. This is, they're part of our, our country. And he kind of, he really acknowledged the fact that, like, there are issues um, concerning this demographic, and that's been a thing ever since. And you know, it's just you can't ignore this. I, I think it's it's going to take a long time. Hopefully, it won't take so long that we all like just sizzle up and burn. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Before uh, it gets addressed, but I think too many people care about it, and at some point, you can't. You know, yeah. representatives can't ignore their constituency forever, and a growing. I think part of I think a growing number of the constituency, the, the voting populace mm-hmm. of this country, cares enough about this that they'll make it an issue. You just gotta hope Guns, so. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't know. There's just so much money in the yeah. lobby. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. There, uh, there's so much money, and there's such an inbred culture that, that like, oh, I like, I feel like youth around the country still love their guns too. Like that is, yeah, yeah. 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 If I mean, youth is kind of behind climate addressing climate issues. Right. A little bit more unified than yeah. in a more unified way than like anybody anybody is yeah. in well, any th- demographic around guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that generational divide is definitely present in the climate change uh, uh, debate. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if you'll permit me to just take us away from that, uh, the original conversation mm-hmm. around um, the commuting Prison. of yeah. sentences. Yeah. I was listening to the story about Idaho, uh, no, uh, Oregon legislature was trying to pass a a carbon tax um, and they had a Democratic majority. They were going to be able to pass it. And Republican lawmakers walked out of the Senate or the the state house uh, to prevent them from even being able to hold the vote because they didn't have a minimum number of people in the Mm. room to be able to legally have the vote happen. And the governor threatened, was saying, we're going to, you know, bring you back in by force. State police will come and pick you up. And uh, they literally went fugitive and they went into wow. Idaho. <laughs> 
So, and they're all being supported. I mean, a lot of them are receiving money from like Boeing and these other companies that, you know, aren't necessarily big in Oregon, but have national clout enough that they don't want to see this pass in Oregon. And I think that that points to uh, also why the, uh, the, um, this bill that releases inmates was able to pass because it's not it doesn't have the same implications for what's going to happen in the future right lawmakers can pass the bill and say you know pat myself on the back i did something nice Mm -hmm. for the people who are were in prison and wash my hands of the issue you know they can give themselves that little boost without worrying about down the line how is this gonna change the way that we deal with this they can still be tough on crime while being soft on those who were wrongly convicted or like who have served enough of their sentence right yeah so i mean ugh dang (laughs) all right uh so real fast um the last national news story um a little, a little fun one, maybe. Um, yeah, this is good news. It's I a good like. one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's an interesting one. So um, the city council of Berkeley, California, just unanimously voted to remove gendered nouns from its law books. Uh, for example, policeman will now be police officer. Manhole will now be maintenance hole, which is a fun one. Um, <laughs> and he or she will now be they, even if it's referring to only one person. Um, this is not the first example of this happening in the country, but I think it's the most extensive Um and it's also should be noted that it's just for law books. Like, you know, people can still like they're not like banning the use of it colloquially right, or right, anything like right. that. Um, proponents of the measure, like council member Lori Drost, Drost um, say women and non-binary folks are just as entitled to accurate representation. Um, you know, and I always liked that when I first heard it, uh, you can't be what you can't see. So, you know, there was an example in the article talking about, you know, a girl growing up hearing about a count- councilman. Her, you know, might not think that that's the job, a job she should be doing Uh-oh. or could even look at. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's just like, of course, there's always people that are like, oh, this, this, this. And, you know, um, there are a few law experts who are actually concerned that the vague use of language like they, even if it's referring to one person, could actually pose real legal issues because, um, you know, the law is written, but then it's applied by other people and it's, you know, the meaning right. could shift or, and I mean, is that a valid concern or is it just something that we're all going to need to adapt to? It, for me, um, it feels like a vague, uh, you know, what, I mean, maybe I'm interested in to hear what the examples are that they're, right. uh, you I know, think imagining, it's just, yeah. but it feels like that, like that grammatical misin like intentional grammatical misinterpretation of they mm-hmm. the you know being so strict about that the use of that word yeah. for a plural number of people feels ob- intentionally obtuse and also like yeah you know i mean but you know what just happened with the supreme court deciding that gerrymandering was okay because it's not explicitly in the constitution right yeah you never know yeah yeah i mean yeah no that's what i would love to hear what they yeah. are imagining as yeah. as potential um, pitfalls they, they they may have a point there mm-hmm. um just with, with with the use of a plural when referring to a singular person mm-hmm. and i think it more it's it this is more about um our English language and how it has evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a, um, we, we just, I think we're at the point now where um, we kind of, um, there seems to be a, a desire for a word 
if you will, mm-hmm. for to refer right. to an individual that is neither a he nor a she. I know that wording, you know, when they talk about the letter of the law, it can actually be an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they may, you know, these lawmakers, um, these legal experts might be, um, they, they've, they're legal experts, they've no case law, they might be concerned about um, law being interpreted in a very, they might be trying to like dodge a bullet in the, right. down the road in right. the future. Um, I mean, yeah, this might not be the best example, but like, you know, Citizens United is the sort of thing where it's like all of a sudden a corporation mm-hmm. is, a, is a citizen, mm-hmm. right. um, you know, they're using the wrong um, plural versus a singular when it's, you know, they, they might be trying to like avoid that kind of scenario right. in the future. But it seems there seems to be a, a want or we might be at the, you know, different languages evolve differently. Um, in some languages, there there is a word or term for a, a non-gendered singular. Mm-hmm. And we just don't have that in our English language. And I, I think we're ready for it. Yeah. We don't have it. Um, and I think I think for some people, and this is more of a social observation, um, some folks just have that, you know, they acknowledge that there are non-binary folks out there and they and they're, they're kind of stumbling over their words a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, you, it's it's kind of a their inner grammar Nazi comes out. Yeah. They've got a singular and now they have a plural pronoun and they want yeah. to use it in their so it seems like there's more of um you know I'll, I'll, I'm yeah I'm also curious like what what are you what are your specific legal concerns but I, I hey I, I love I, I think we're already kind of using in, in, in the language a lot now police officer versus policeman yeah or poli- and, you know yeah like flight attendant is like post stewardess like there yeah. are there are things right. that are becoming more you know a server as opposed to waiter or right. waitress like things right. like that are shifting. Right. And when I was, those are examples they brought up. I, I think the manhole turning into maintenance hole is a real funny one. Like I never thought of it as a gender thing at all, but there you go. Yeah. yeah. Also yeah, air. I never, I never. Yeah. Yeah. Air to beneficiary. I mean, I guess it has he in the word, but I didn't oh. realize it was. Oh, like, heiress. Air versus heiress. heiress. Yeah. Right. Okay. I there guess, you go. Yeah. yeah. It kind of makes you think about where some of these words came yeah. from. Right. The words. Like, oh, I never realized how like biased. Yeah. Some how gendered and all that stuff was. Yeah. Well, you know. You know I, languages. It's a bit of a non, it's a bit unrelated Mm -hmm. as far as the legislative complications, but um, my experience with the shifting of uh, using gendered pronouns has really come into a lot of danger in in my, uh, like, I speak Spanish. Oh, uh, Like, talking with my Latino friends who speak Spanish, language is so much more gendered in Spanish, and it is so much more difficult to especially in speech. Yeah. Uh cut that out of your language. It's it's like really hard and yeah. even my progressive Latino friends kind of scoff sometimes yeah. at the I idea of similar I have friends who feel similarly. Yeah. And I know but there are there's a movement like the Latinx ending it with Latinx, an X instead yeah. of an yeah. O yeah. or yeah. an A. There yeah. there are people out there that are trying for, to fight for that but it, yeah. it is it is so entwined in the language it's yeah re- yeah it's really that my friend like rolls her that. eyes when she hears yeah. Yeah. my spanish-speaking friend yeah rolls her eyes yeah. when she hears yeah. that it's it's unfortunate yeah. because you want to see these uh shifts and right. you want to see language be m- malleable malleable yeah. exactly yeah but anyway okay well we're running out of time we're gonna quickly <laughs> uh, squeeze in one more song i think and then a little bit of world news um, okay. Yeah, and so, and let me just say for those well. of you who don't know, uh, I have to say thank you again for another great walkthrough on our national news oh, segment, thank Emily. Thank you so much. And I want to yes, just give you, an Emily. explicit <laughs> shout out to Emily Scott for being Aww. an absolute badass because Aww. she's been putting in so much effort behind the screen, behind the scenes here. You don't know uh, how much time it takes us to put together the show every week, but. 
she has been uh, really taking point and we appreciate it. Oh, yeah. thank you so yes, much. You thank yeah. you guys. Yeah. Um, well, it, part of what I love too is getting to pick the music. So right. that's something I selfishly <laughs> took for myself. But um, so this song is called Waves of Fear. The heat always spikes my anxiety. Um, so I figured I would share that with you guys. All right. We'll be back in a minute for the last uh, segment of the news. afraid to use the phone i'm too afraid to put the light on i'm so afraid i've lost control i'm suffocating without a word crazy with sweat spittle on my jaw what's that funny noise what's that on the floor waves of fear pulsing with death i curse at my tremors i jump at my own step i cringe at my terror i hate my own smell i know where i must be i must be in hell Right. Yeah. So that was Waves of Fear by Lou Reed. Uh, one of my most problematic favorites. But um, <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, we only have a few minutes because we, we had some great conversations on local and national news. But Max, uh, pick a world news story you want to talk about. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, there was uh, quite a bit that happened this week um, on the world stage. As always, uh, we tend to be focused quite a bit on our own country. Uh, but this week, um, we see increasing uh, or rising tensions um, in the Suez. Uh, sorry, the Strait of Hormuz and the Suez Canal, uh, with where Iran uh, seized a Swedish-owned British-flagged oil tanker. This week, um, the English government is uh, claiming the seizure is illegal retaliation to their detainment of an Iranian ship a couple of weeks back. Um, the Strait of Hormuz is an increasingly busy and fraught trade route, uh, and this might turn out to be somewhat of a match thrown too close to a tinderbox. Mm. I mean, you know, why is Iran seizing this oil tanker and doesn't it seem like kind of just international uh, provocation or intentional provocation rather? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? 
Uh, it, it does seem like intentional propaganda. It just seems very much. It seems like it's it's very Iran. Yeah, <laughs> lack of a better way of describing. Yeah. It. Oh, you know, the, something like it looks like intentional provocation, as you said, and kind of being walked back. Oh no no no! This is just in response to something that happened to us. Mm-hmm. It, you know, um, and I think uh, they've kind of been. A, I don't want to say allowed to do that. They've um, been ex- a lot of uh, their actions have been excused mm-hmm. yeah. in recent history hmm. um, by the international community. Um, us being the United States being a part of that international community. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's interesting too. And I wonder, I mean, historically, I know that we've not treated that country well, like uh, a 1970s right. style, um, just, in, you know, overthrowing governments yeah. for fun, um, yeah. for our own interests. So I wonder if it's sort of, trying not to do that again i don't know well i don't know it just feels really strange because we're they're on the verge of Mm -hmm. war it feels like i mean the u.s is pushing for it john bolton and all of his cohort are not afraid of trying every single avenue they can to push for an actual conflict and and you know iran has a bit of a complicated relationship with the region obviously mm-hmm. yeah and so it's it feels like a dangerous move for a government that is in yeah. precarious straits <laughs> <laughs> straits on straits right right um yeah but that may be all the time we I have i know we have a minute and a half left. Yeah. um this you've been listening to objection to the rule on radio free brooklyn i'm emily scott here with max and rachel um yeah, and you can uh, find any of these episodes online at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone if you're using an iPhone or slash Android if you're using an Android or just RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you're on your computer. Uh, we record all of the episodes of this show and others, um, and you can find them online. They're archived. We also have a great newsletter, uh, which you can sign up to keep up to date with new pro- programming, upcoming RFB events, Interviews, t- ticket giveaways, special offers on RFB swag, and more. Sign up at our uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts, guys? Or cue the outro music? Right. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> this is Thank Objection to the Rule. All right. Thank you Everything. so much. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week at 1 p.m. Take care, Rachel. Bye. Have fun, Emily. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks you. for listening, everyone.